So this is, if we have to say it, the last message in a series we've just entitled here in the voice of the Father. Can I just say it should have been the very first one? This message should have been the very first one, but I think it's timely and very appropriate that it is the last one, if this is the last. But I don't want us to miss what God has impressed upon my heart as we as a community move forward seeking the Father's voice. I don't want us to miss what God is getting ready to say to every single one of us here in this place this morning. I'm going to be reading out of the book of Acts, chapter 8, if you want to turn there with me. But for just a few moments, a few seconds of our time this morning, there's going to be a question appearing on the screen behind me. And I'm just going to let it rest there for just a few seconds. And this is sort of where we're going to start this thing this morning. And this question is also where we're going to land this thing as we wrap up our time together this morning. The question that you will see on the screen is simply this. Is Jesus alone enough for you? I think one of my, my, my prayers for those who pray for me and love me and are a part of this movement of God is as I grow and communicate, I want to be known as the best question asker you've ever seen. And I think this is a phenomenal question for every single one of us in this place. Is Jesus alone enough for you? John Piper, who is a phenomenal communicator of God's word, and I quote him, and I read this long quote, and it won't be on the screen, but if you want to go home to see this for yourself and read it more than just this morning, you can Google John Piper and this question, is Jesus enough? John Piper says this, the critical question for our generation and for every generation is this. If you could have heaven with no sickness and with all the friends you ever had on earth and all the food you ever liked and all the leisure activities you ever enjoyed and all the natural beauties you ever saw and all the physical pleasures you ever tasted, and no human conflict or any natural disasters, could you be satisfied with heaven if Jesus Christ were not there? That's weighty. That's a weighty question. So Scott, where does this come from? Can I tell you what I'm sharing with you this morning comes from hearing the voice of the Father. It's not a warning as in be very cautious. No. In the presence of God and as a child of God, we want you to run. And we want you to soar. 
And so this is not a warning this morning. This is not kind of a warning message, but this is a message that every single one of us need rooted in our hearts. This is a heart check this morning. I come to you a little bit this morning with some experience, probably some guilt, and at the end of this thing together, maybe some confession and thanking Jesus for grace. I don't want to send us out into community hungering for the Father's voice, setting our children up hearing the Father's voice with ulterior motives. And you say, Scott, I have no ulterior motives. Then we must allow the Holy Spirit to shine light on all of our heart and motives here this morning for just the next few moments. Because I truly believe together as a body, these next few moments will be revealing, they will be refreshing, and they will be freedom-giving. Is Jesus alone enough for you? This morning, I'm doing something that I've never done. I'm reading out of the Passion Translation. So if you would, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 8. If you like the way this translation reads, I love it so much that I do a lot of studying out of it. I do a lot of daily reading out of it. We have these translations for sale over in our bookstore. And um, they're there now if you want to go get them. This, the one that we bought has a great uh, study guide at the bottom of each page. Scriptures come alive. <coughs> so I'm reading out of the Passion Translation today. What you will see on the screen is going to come from the NIV. You may have your own translation there in your hand. I'm reading from Acts chapter 8, and you may just follow along. And I'm going to start in verse 9. It's very familiar to many of us. There's a man by the name of Simon. He's a sorcerer, and he fell in love with Jesus because men were traveling into his area preaching the gospel, and Simon heard the gospel message, and he fell in love with Jesus. And I would today, if I was standing there with Simon, I would ask Simon the same question I'm asking you. Is Jesus alone, Simon, enough for you? And he wouldn't have to answer me. I would just have to simply go hang out with him and watch his actions. I would just have to hear him speak. I want you to remember the passage of scripture that says that from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. I would just have to hang out with Simon and just listen to him talk for the answer to, is Jesus alone enough for you, Simon? And his words would reveal the answer. I think the same is true for many of us that I could just hang out and listen to what you say. Because what's in the depths of our heart eventually come out. Here in Acts chapter 8 with Simon, verse 9, just listen as I read several verses. Now, there was a man who lived there who was steeped in sorcery. For some time, he had astounded the people of Samaria with his magic, boasting to be someone great. Everyone from the least to the greatest among them was dazzled by his sorcery. 
saying, this man is the greatest wizard of all. The divine power of God walks among us. For many years, everyone was in awe of him because of his astonishing display of the magic arts. But as Philip preached the wonderful news of God's kingdom and the name of Jesus, the anointed one, many believed his message and were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon, the sorcerer, believed and was baptized. Wherever Philip went, Simon was right by his side, astounded by all the miracles, signs, and enormous displays of power that he witnessed. Can I just say up to this point, so far, so good. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the Samaritans had accepted God's message of life, they sent Peter and John to pray over them so that they would receive the Holy Spirit. For they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus and were yet to have the Holy Spirit fall upon them. Wow, that'd be a great message. As soon as Peter and John arrived, they laid their hands on the Samaritan believers one after another and the Holy Spirit fell and filled each of them. So far, so good. Verse, I can't even read it. The numbers are so small in my eyes. Somewhere, 18. When Simon saw, listen to this. This is my heart. When Simon saw how the Holy Spirit was released through the laying on of the hands of the apostles, he approached them and offered them money, saying, I want this power too. I'm willing to pay you for the anointing that you have so that I also can lay my hands on everyone to receive the Holy Spirit. Caution flags. Holy Spirit, help us to look inward this morning. Reveal our hearts, shed light on our hearts and our motives. Because if I can just be honest, we look at Simon, I've studied Simon, I've read this, I've preached on Simon, and I say to him, how dare you, Simon? How dare you treat the Holy Spirit as someone would treat a prostitute? And you say, that's harsh, but that's what one does when he is looking for cheap replacement love. He is looking for a prostitute to pay so that he can love them under his terms and under his time. And then with no more questions asked, he leaves. Simon, how dare you? And as soon as I say that, even in my heart this morning, God starts to bring to light some things that are in the darkness. Shedding light on some things that only you may know about. That our motives are truly on the surface and on face value in this community, in this church. Jesus is enough. but is he really? If it was just me and you in this building this morning, 
would I still have this much passion for you and I to have a conversation about the love of Jesus Christ? If I didn't have a title before my name, how would my actions be different in my community on Wednesday? It's okay to be pressed down. It's okay to be shaken. It's okay to let the light reveal the true motives of your heart. How dare you, Simon... See, if we're honest, sometimes the emphasis is placed on, hey God, I want to have a conversation with you. Hey God, I want to speak to you. I want you to speak to me. It's what we've been talking about for the last four or five weeks. That's what your children and grandchildren are going to be talking about leading all the way through Easter. Hey God, we want to talk to you, but why do we want to hear from you? Why do we want to be in communion? Why do we want conversation with you? Is it so that you will reveal my next step in this life? Listen, that sounds great, doesn't it? I mean, Simon was wanting to be able to go all through Samaritan villages and lay hands on people and give them the Holy Spirit too. At the surface level, that sounds great. But God, why do I want to hear from you? Why do I want to dream dreams? Why do I want to know in my heart that you are saying this is my next step? Because if we're not careful, the next step will be become, it will become like our God. We will fall more in love with the next step than the one who is telling us our next step. I mean, I, I want to encourage you, go home, God. We've done it even in this place. God, let me know what you want me to do now. There's hundreds of us in this community this very day, and that's the cry on our heart. God, what do you want me to do in this situation? But I'll ask why. Do we want to know what our next step is, because if we're being very honest, hey God, if you'll just give me your next step and let's leave it at that, I'm good if you are. I'll give you money. I will pay. I will give you what you need and then you can go on your way. I will use you if you'll just tell me the next step. How dare you, Simon? I want to hear from God. I want to know what he wants me to know because I want to know what he has for me. Again, on the surface, that sounds great. These are just me. This is me. This is light being shed on my heart. Sometimes I'll play this game. 
And this one is very dangerous, very dangerous because it is very difficult to discern. I'll try to trick God. I won't just come straight out and ask him, hey, God, what do you want me to do next? God, what do you have in store for my life? I definitely don't go to the extremes that Simon did and said, God, I'll just pay some money. Just give me what you have and then you can go on. I don't go there. No, I say, hey, God. God, reveal your truth and your goodness to me so that I can help you advance your kingdom. (laughs) Do do, Do you hear the arrogance? Do you hear the pride in that? Some of you may say, no, I don't hear that. That sounds good to me. I say, God, reveal to me whatever it is you want to reveal to me so that I can help you advance your kingdom. It's like God wishes that I would have been around on the third day when he created. I don't even know what he created on the third day. Do you? Okay, so I'm not on. We may need to read Jack in Genesis 1 and 2. When he created on the third day, him and Jesus and the Holy Spirit sat there and said, you know what, I wish Scott would have been here to help us create whatever he created on the third day. Light. I wish Scott was here. He could help us advance this kingdom. How arrogant that I want God to reveal to me his secrets so that I can help him advance his kingdom. And can I just say this? I honestly want to be a part of his advancing kingdom. But he doesn't need me to advance it. He doesn't need you to advance it. He is such a loving father that he lets us participate with his already advancing kingdom. You see, when I go for, reveal to me, God, if I am not pure of heart with intentions laid wide open for the Holy Spirit to shed light on, I fall more in love what he reveals to me than the revealer. I must understand and know that I am falling in love with the revealer and not what is being revealed. Parents, my prayer for you as you leave here and as you steward your children and their lives, grandparents, as you steward their their lives, that you would teach them from this day on the foundation of hearing the voice of the Father, responding to the voice of the Father is not about what you get to do but a loving father is in communion with his children because he wants to bring his children more into a relationship with him. It is the relationship with him that he is concerned about. It's not about what he's telling you to be or even do. He is speaking to you because he loves you and is wanting to draw you closer to him. He is wanting to tell you about the person of Jesus, his presence more than the power. See, Simon here was more concerned with what the Holy Spirit could do for him. 
He was more concerned with the power of the Holy Spirit than the person of the Holy Spirit. We cannot be more concerned with the voice of the Father. We can't strive for the voice of the Father and miss the intimacy that He is wanting to have with us. In my notes, I just jotted down some things that I've learned just over the past few seasons, months of my life. There's some phenomenal conversations that God has ordained. And if I could sit down with Simon, I'd have these same conversations because the story ends with Simon sounding like he is in fear. But I would say to Simon what I'm getting ready to say to you. I would say, say, hey, Simon, listen, the prophetic is phenomenal. I love when someone gives me a prophetic word. But hey, knowing Jesus and the Father's love is way superior to a prophetic word. The prophetic word I cherish. The prophetic word I want to steward. But if I am not careful what I have seen in my own life as the Holy Spirit has shed light just like he did here with Simon. I truly believe that Simon the sorcerer went away and he gleaned and learned much from continuing to hang around with these disciples. I bet a conversation with Simon eventually looked like this. Hey, Simon, you remember that day that the the disciples came and they laid hands and the Holy Spirit was given? Listen, that was phenomenal. But that is to show you the love of Jesus. That is to make you fall more in love with Jesus than the word that was given. Because if we're not careful, what will happen is someone will give us a prophetic word. And again, I'm all for you giving me or my family a prophetic word. But if I don't have the intention to fall more in love with the sender of the word, sometimes I will fall more in love with the sayer of the word. I will go to that person more often. I'll like, hey, do you have a word? I want you to pray out loud. We're in a group of people. I want you to pray because you said one time something that God said and I fall more in love with the sayer of the word than the sender of the, love, the word. And if you have any ounce of arrogance inside of you like I do and I, I, I allowing the Lord to shed light on is this. Sometimes I will fall more in love with the word that God gave to me than the one who gave the word. Someone will reveal a word to me, and in arrogance I'll think, yeah, I am pretty much somebody, aren't I? And I will miss the fact that the revealer is revealing words to me to draw me closer to him. The prophetic doesn't even hold a candle to the love that Jesus is wanting to shed on us. I have another note here that I would say to Simon is is a word of knowledge. I almost feel like a kid on Christmas morning. The Holy Spirit is revealing all of these things and in this season, he's revealing a lot of truths to you and God is speaking. You guys are hearing him. We just exalted one of our brothers for doing something in amazing obedience to the Father's voice. 
And we say, we're going to send you out and we're going to practice what God is saying to us. But we have to know that it is not the word of knowledge that we're falling in love with. The word of knowledge does not equal to the love of Jesus. When I give you a word of knowledge, it is not so that you fall in love with the word of knowledge. It is that you fall in love with the sender of the word. I wrote down this one for Simon and my own family. A healing touch is amazing. It is amazing to see people healed. Simon went crazy over the laying on of hands and the Holy Spirit falling. Check that out again in Acts 8. Just this past Sunday night, we had a healing service here. And there were physical healings taking place. And as people were healed on the spot, we had them take a microphone and give a testimony. And it was as pure as the driven snow. There were no ulterior motives. There was no pride in the way. There was such a presence of God in this room as that Sunday night unfolded that even leaders of this church did not want to take the microphone and say a word because they knew and heard God say, just get out of my way. There were healings taking place. And that excites me. But you know what even excites me more than a healing taking place here on a Sunday night healing service is when my own 16-year-old son comes to me that evening later on. He comes into the living room and he says, do you remember the fireman who gave a testimony about his back being healed? Do you remember what he said about that hand that was on his back and it was like fire? My 16-year-old son came in and he said, that was my hand. That's exciting stuff. I want an environment that is breeding people who know that God still heals. And so when my 16-year-old son just happens to be at his basketball practice and someone turns an ankle, yes, let's grab some ice. Yes, let's sit the person on the bench. But hey, God, can you take the swelling out of this ankle in Jesus' name? I want that environment. But let me just tell you, my son, and you, that a healing touch does not supersede the love of Jesus Christ. We cannot run after a gift of the Spirit and miss out on the fact that this is coming from the one who is drawing us to him. The reason that God heals is that so we can point you to him. I don't need another prophetic word. I don't need one more word of knowledge spoken over you or me. Hey, I don't even need to see another healing manifest itself here on earth. But I want to tell you, in this stage of life, in the season that I believe our community is, my friends, we need to know the love of the Father. We need to know the love of Jesus. And we need to know the love and the friendship of the Holy Spirit. In that context, I'll read a familiar passage. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. This isn't going to be on the screen. This is just going to be read to you. I love how Adam said this exactly. 
He said 25 minutes ago, he said, God is love. Do you remember that? Listen to this. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I don't have God, I'm only a resounding gong or clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but I don't have Jesus Christ, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but I don't have the Holy Spirit, I gain nothing. We're here. For Jesus, his Father, and the Holy Spirit, and that's it. Everything that comes from that relationship is glory. And so, I just ask you, Holy Spirit, reveal, shed light here on my open soul. And on this Sunday morning, I just ask you one more time, is Jesus alone enough for you? Is Jesus alone enough for you?